What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of the Antler Up podcast. We are on episode 70. Milestone for us here. And on today's episode, Dimitri and I sit down and have a conversation with our good friend, Ian. And this episode is a straight up fun BS session where we discuss his Western hunts, his mobile hunting setup, getting our kids in the outdoors, and Ian's perspective on not having social media. With Ian and Dimitri growing up hunting together and being friends since middle school, this was such a fun conversation to have. So sit back, enjoy this fun episode, and antler up. And before we get into this episode, I want to thank our partners over at Tethered. And this past season, I hunted exclusively from the Phantom Saddle and was extremely happy with my overall setup. If you're looking to try a new saddle out, I highly encourage you to check out Tethered's Teach and Train Tour this spring and summer. And right now, this weekend, we'll be hosting one at in the Philly area at Cloverleaf Archery Club. It's from May, it's on May 15th from noon to 6. It's free. Just go ahead and sign up. You'll get a chance to try some gear, maybe win some prizes, get discounts, and meet some awesome people. So check it out at tethernation.com. Also want to thank our partners over at America's Best Bowstrings. Hunting season's quickly coming up here. And, you know, I just saw a post from another individual about making sure everything's dialed in come fall. You know, we have uh, August rolling around, so some Western hunts are going to be kicking off sooner than, than we know it. And obviously some 3D shoots. Turkey is happening right now. And if you're looking for a new set of strings, look no further than America's Best Bowstrings. Hand-built in the USA that manufacture high-quality custom strings since 2006. We love the Platinum Series strings. Great product, but even better people. Check them out over at America's Best Bowstrings. And also, let's thank our partners over at First Light. And right now, you're able to get your hands on the new whitetail-specific Spectre camo. And Spectre uses First Light's nature-based uh, algorithm that you could get in Fusion and Cypher. So it pulls them together, and it's bringing that large straight shape uh disruption for whitetail hunters uh, it distorts and hides the human body which inherently stands out in the natural environment it's awesome i've seen some some up close photos uh those of you that have it already i mean you could definitely see the difference i can't wait to get some for the fall uh so and we're also excited to see what else is in store coming from them so be on the lookout in the near future so check out what first light has to offer at firstlight.com and everybody thank you so much for all of your continued support it means so much to us enjoy this episode until next time antler up hey everybody welcome to the antler up podcast today we have a special guest in the studio live we have ian senior which no one knows who he is so <laughs> So uh, I let Ian introduce himself, but the the thing about this podcast is is Ian, someone that's hunted with me growing up. Uh, we went to high school together, but the thing we wanted to get him on is one, he's been going out west quite a few years. He's done public, he's done private, so we'll get some perspective on both of those as well. Um, also, you know, the thing we want to talk about mainly today is he has no social media whatsoever. Um, 
basically by his choice. So he doesn't see a lot of the things that we see on Instagram, Facebook, um, what's out there online. So it's going to be neat to see what his perspective and what his thoughts on the hunting industry and uh, where he kind of feels it's going. So uh, that's what we're going to plan on today. And we're just going to sit back and drink a few beers and let it rip. Yeah, I like it. Ian, welcome, dude. Thank the, you. The, welcome. This, did, was that good? Yeah, right? it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the nice little uh, basement studio. <laughs> it's perfect. Bucks hanging all around. I don't know what else you could ask for. Yeah, hey, man. And some uh, ice cream toy place and <laughs> <laughs> one-stop shop for the, the daughter corner area. I know. No, man. All awesome. Well, dude, I, we have to give another thanks, too, before we get rolling. I thanked you, too, before on the podcast, before with the uh, the bar. So I've yet to make a video. I'm, I have, like, five that I haven't uh, written down. So we're, we're excited to get that on there, dude. So thanks for making the, uh, the bar for us. Appreciate it. Oh, no doubt. You're welcome. Owen definitely yeah. listens to the podcast. So he was all about me being on here. Awesome. He helped me build it and... He couldn't be more happy. Awesome, man. Well, dude, thank you. Well, I, I mean, Ian, or Dimitri kind of talked about it that you guys hunted for a while. So obviously you're from here. So you want to just uh, talk about maybe how you guys connected and started hunting when you're just younger, just real quick, if there's any funny stories. <laughs> I don't know if we want to talk about it in the podcast. <laughs> there's, there's stories, but we don't want to talk about yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> We should be passed uh, where anything, any criminal charges can be filed against us. That is true. No one's perfect. Yeah. Hey, that's what it's about. Well, <laughs> Ian, let's let's jump into, uh, before we get into the social media stuff, I know even before we met, Dimitri talked about how you go out west every couple of years, and last year you were in Colorado. Correct. Um, what's usually, like, what's your, your game plan when you go out west, and what, what's, uh, you hunt elk, mule deer, every antelope? Other- Every other year we go out on a deer hunt, Wyoming, same ranch. We went, this will be the fifth time this year Okay, if we draw. Uh, it's mule deer or whitetail. It's, I think, 2,200 acres, somewhere in there, give or take a working cattle ranch. So we have run to the place for 10 days. Uh, whenever you're out there, I mean, it's... From here, compared to here, out there, it is night and day. If you can't shoot one out there, give me your keys and I'll hit one with your truck. I mean, <laughs> seriously, it. I don't even know how to describe the difference. Yeah. And then whenever we go out, the last time was the first time we got antelope tags. I ended up not drawing a buck tag. I got a doe tag. And... The lady that owns the ranch has friends. She's lived there for her whole life, just a ranching community. Mm-hmm. So the neighboring property has antelope, and it's on the South Dakota-Wyoming border. So as long as they're on the Wyoming side, we can shoot them. If they get to the South Dakota, no go. That's awesome. Yeah, now, like, when you guys go out there, I mean, you don't get to really do any pre-scouting or, you know, you kind of have a lay of the land now that you've been out there multiple years. So you kind of, you know, is it the same game plan every year or are you kind of um, changing up strategy once you kind of figure it out once you're out there? Or how do you go about that? The property has two different types of area. The river bottoms where you can find your whitetail for the most part. And then it has 
get into kind of the plateaus where it comes up, just open hay fields. And that's where you find the mule deer most of the time. And it has big canyons cut the whole way through it. So as long as you kind of have in mind what you want to hunt, if you want mule deer, you got to go up to the other areas. Not that you won't find them in the river bottoms during the rut, just it's all dependent on where they're at, really. I mean, I've shot three whitetail out there and a mule deer and a doe every time we go that i mean it, the hunting out there is amazing now Don, when you go out there i know you've taken a mule deer and you've taken a whitetail out there it are you trying you know one year maybe going after one species or the other or are you kind of going you know whatever comes first or what do you ever see do you have kind of expectations going out there or are you just kind of going for it I always have an idea of what species I want whenever I go, but I also get itchy trigger finger about <laughs> Ohio. So as whatever the biggest one that steps in front of me first is normally the one that gets it. Yeah, because it seems like you guys always tag out there pretty much every year. I've never brought a tag back other than last year from Colorado. Gotcha. Now, why don't you dive into that hunt a little bit? Yeah. Um, since you, you kind of go out to a private ranch you've done that for you know five times now this year i remember you you kind of you had a game plan so you went out with with three other guys um you started you know similar to what we did last year Mm -hmm. it was your first time out there you you kind of did the research and you were going over the counter elk right correct and you know so you did the research from early on you had a game plan can go through the early stage of that hunt how you were kind of game planning what you thought you were going to do um up to that that time you're heading out there well to start it was supposed to be my younger brother my friend tyler and our other friend buggy were all heading out i was the mastermind behind getting everybody together Tyler was the one, he's more of a techie guy, so he was doing all the e-scouting. And I said, just send me where you want to go, we'll find them. Well, just so happened the area that we decided to go was one that was on fire last year, and they shut the access down the week before we were going. So we got just kind of threw a dart at the wall and decided to go. We ended up in Unit 53, I think. And if you want to go for a long bow hike and see lots of people, that would be a great unit to go to. <laughs> well, yeah. you had the similar situation that we did, right, with four-wheelers and side-by-sides. and Oh, there was people everywhere, four-wheelers everywhere in the woods. People, you wouldn't imagine where we found people at. It was thick, nasty brush, that deadfalls everywhere. I don't We were... Everywhere you could have thought to find an elk, and we found a lot of people. <laughs> That's usually the case. I don't, I just, it's amazing how, I don't want to say like, but I guess it has been quote unquote mainstream. Uh, I know that's not the right term that I want to use, but it's been such a popular thing over the last two, three years. And you hear the, man, it's, it's a lot of people and it's harder, it's harder and harder to get away from individuals while they're going out there to Colorado. I mean, obviously it's one of the, you know, I guess quote unquote elite places to go for an over the counter elk tag uh, that you could get and pay for. But at the same time, you're running into individuals to 
do the same thing. We definitely did. And we, it was, we weren't sure if we should go during the muzzleloader mm-hmm. because we thought maybe it would push the elk into some deeper pockets. Well, it pushed the people into those deeper pockets where we figured the elk would go that I was not expecting to find people where we did. Yeah. Now, how, do you know how Tyler came upon that unit? I mean, I know you had one picked out, and then obviously because of the fire, you had to kind of switch uh, probably last minute. Was there some reason he, he came upon that unit, or is it just kind of a luck of a draw, kind of pick pick one? The unit that we ended up picking, the only reason we even picked it is because when we went down 70, it was one of the closest ones to jump off the interstate. And realistically, that was... 100% our fault for probably running into that many people because the closest state to the west of us that has elk. And that's also the closest way, <laughs> easiest way for everybody to get there is run 70 the whole way out. That's just, I, I, I love the fact though that you guys just did not give up on even when everything was burnt down and you had to like readjust and you're just like, ah, eh, dart, <laughs> let's go, let's go figure it out and let's go through an experience. Well, with the four of us, three of them definitely have schedules that they had to figure time out to take off. And we figured it was, we had the time to go for it. What's the worst that could happen? We kill four elk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Going out west and tagging out, I don't know. (laughs) Doing it on public land, I don't know if that's even possible. I'm sure people have done it, but being newbies, I don't know. But talk a little bit too of of how you approach that hunt because you guys were approaching it a little bit differently than we were we we were planning on doing the the backcountry backpack have everything in our bag and and kind of going in deep and and staying and kind of um changing camp daily um, based on where we were and that's was kind of our plans which actually got changed as we got out there now you were kind of had a different strategy going out, which you kind of maintain while you're there, correct? For the most part, we at first we're going to do the backpack, try to stay a week or so out, and the more and more we thought about it, realistically, we wanted to be mobile and be able to bounce around. If we didn't find anything in one area, get in the truck, go an hour, find elk, and. We were really good at finding people. That It didn't matter which way we went, up, down, we were there. There's people crawling around us. Because our, our situation, too, was, you know, like how you just said, we were planning on changing camp daily and going wherever we saw deer, but we just saw the terrain and what we were running into just did not call for that. Well, that's what I think, and, and Ian and I have talked about this already, is, you know, I think if you can't get out there and, and – know the area you know that that backcountry hunt is probably fun and you know but it really limits you to where where you can go and how much train you can cover Mm -hmm. you know now that i've been out there and we kind of did the the moving around and driving truck but we saw more deer yeah and we got more eyes on land and i think if you know we it could have been a situation but we we really made a good experience out of a bad situation because we were mobile and i think if you can't get out there and and do a lot of scouting or have cameras you know being mobile is important because you you take a week to 10 days that you're taking off and and money and you know you want to make the most out of it covering that ground is really maximizes your opportunities yeah 
Definitely. And I think if you go out and only have one tool in your toolbox while you're out there, you might as well not even go because yeah. you set your plans to go out and do your backcountry hunt because it sounds cool on podcasts. It's neat to read about in magazines. And then you realize that if I walk 10 miles in here, I got to carry all my gear. Plus, if I kill an elk, carry it back out. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, but you did experience some elk while you were out there, right? I mean, we did. We ended up, uh, Tyler is a really good caller. So we sat. How'd he get so good if he's from around here? <laughs> he's good at calling turkey. I don't okay. know. I guess yeah, there he is. <laughs> some of the same, but I'm no good at either. So I don't know. But no, we were sitting and he was doing a lost cow call or lost calf call and ended up calling in a spike, which we were in a four point unit mm. and then ended up calling a cow in two, but the cow is probably 85 yards. It may just thick, nasty jungle looking stuff. And the next day we all ended up splitting up. All four of us went different ways and he ended up dropping down in we figured it was going to be five hours and I was going to pick everybody up. As I was pulling up, I saw him running up the hill and there was three cows over on the far side that he just walked through. Jeez. So he, he definitely put the effort in just no success. I mean, that's not bad though for, for your first time, especially with a last minute plan. I mean, Heck no. you, you hear how many stories of people going out to Colorado and, and not even seeing elk or hearing an elk. I mean, for you to experience a couple cat cows and calves and a spike, I mean that's probably success for in most yeah. people's book. When, oh, when definitely. did you go again, Ian? It was September tenth. It was right after they got the big snowstorm that dumped fourteen oh, yeah. inches on. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it was snowing probably on your way out. I remember you sending me that picture. Yeah, on the way out we left here, sunny seventy, wearing shorts and Crocs and everything, and. We drove 24 hours straight through, got out there. And as we start into the mountain, there's 14 inches of snow. Jeez. And my little brother is not a planner. So I looked back at him and said, are you ready for this? <laughs> and he said, find the closest Walmart. I got to buy some clothes. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that you've been out there, though, you know, on public land, besides, obviously, you'd probably pick a different union unit we all, all we all know that but what else would you do differently the next time you go out in a similar hunt for elk that maybe you didn't know or that you kind of learned while you were out there next time i would set up a definite base camp depending on the unit of course but if i could set up a base camp and even if you had to drive an hour from your base camp whatever way and just have, I think a trailer would be the best setup. That way you could get in there raining, have a little heater, warm things up, dry your clothes out, boots out. Uh, maybe have a second unit picked out if you did have to turn a bale that you ran into as many people or ran into a fire. I, just all the different situations you could run into is to have two units picked out. I wouldn't go out with just one in mind necessarily yeah i think for us too we you brought up i love that you said too like how we were able to then experience a lot of you know mule deer 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we would have done the backpack and gone in there and kind of set up camp in different spots and not have a base camp, like we wouldn't have, that would have been a very minimal amount of uh, opportunities. <laughs> We never would experience the sloppy pig. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, the sloppy pig. Uh, We're still waiting on that endorsement, by the way. Um, Sponsored the podcast by the sloppy pig. Yeah. But no, I, I, because that, you know, mobile is, when you think about it, it's the key to success anymore when it becomes to, you know, learning and growing as a hunter, just because whether it's now hunting out west or, you know, coming here on the, hunting Pennsylvania to big timber, you know, it's important to be able to be mobile. And, uh, I mean, all three of us here are, are, you know, doing that. And I know you just bought a new, uh, little, little, little mini platform. I did. I got the, the Questo 0.5.5 that, I mean, I had my wife got me, uh, think it was a grand slam back 10 years ago, 35 pounds you put on your back and lug (laughs) up and down. Not that you can't do it, just I oh, don't yeah. want to. Yeah. I mean, if I can put 15 pounds on my back and not even know it's there, I'd much rather do that. Yeah. And I mean, that's, but, because where, where do you normally, I mean, obviously not where, but like how, what is your normal PA whitetail hunter hunting look like? Pennsylvania, I have two properties that are private that I mainly hunt and then one's bordered by Penn State property okay. the way around. Do, do you, uh do fixed stands in the, in those spots, like have a few and then you kind of bounce around. I do. I probably, one's my wife's family's camp. There's a hundred acres and one's Tyler. My good the buddy. smartest man of all time. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Marrying in the public yeah. or private ground. Yeah. Oh, that was key selling feature. <laughs> <laughs> this, this man, if, if obviously no one knows Ian listening to this podcast, but he did get engaged at a Cambella. So if, if that says anything <laughs> about this guy, that explains it right there. That's awesome. But uh, the property, yeah, there's probably the only people that hunt it is my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, my wife used to, and myself. Mm-hmm. That I probably have 20 on that 100 acres. They maybe have another five. So we have plenty of stand setups, but... I just like to bounce around. I don't like to sit in the same tree twice unless yeah. it's really good. Yeah. I, I listen, I, I'm a after what we did this past year, I think there wasn't one tree that I hunted out of that was the exact same meat, like in the same area, especially too. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it too on the podcast, like this past rut, uh, how I just kept pushing further up that ridge, up that hill, just to kind of continue to go. It's like, okay man, I'm 70 yards away from all that action. So then the next day I would just go in that 70, 100 more yards. And it just kept, I kept missing them by that, you know, 60 yard mark. But I mean, if you just, you know, are so in your ways or whatever like that, you're, you're out of the action. You know, you're not setting yourself up for maybe the opportunity. I mean, obviously too, there's that. I was in this tree one day, the next day, if I was back in that same tree or in that same area, maybe it would have had an opportunity on that deer. I mean, you've seen that in oh, on videos or whatever. Uh, but man, it's, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, just being mobile, whether you have a climber or your saddle or yeah, if you have, matter. you know, a set stand. I mean, I, I honestly think even if you have sticks and then you have a hang on, do you know if you leave that there? I mean, how many times if, you know, unless you have a prop, 
private property where there's barely any pressure you could probably get away hunting that stand maybe two or three times i think after that then you know think you're going to leave enough scent that they're going to kind of pick you out so i think even if you're just moving 50 to 60 yards in that general area it's going to really change your odds greatly you know being mobile and you know if you have a small property where you can't move quite a bit you know just that little bit of adjustment is going to kind of throw them off enough where you're going to be a little more successful yeah and i even think to my the late season doe that i had and and i swear some of these doe are are just as smart as some of these older bucks just because I mean, you see it and uh how many times are you up somewhere and next thing you know their head you thinking okay here we go i might be able to put some meat in the freezer and boom they look right up (laughs) at you like what the hell but you know i because i even think this past time when during the late season when i was in a a real crooked cranky looking tree and uh that that thing i swear was as big as this beer bottle uh with wise and i was like okay i need to be just two trees over because i had a little bit more shooting lane you know have that uh more shooting chances and when i did that day when I shot that doe, I mean, she came right up on this other, this extra little path that I didn't even notice. And the only reason why I saw it was because of the snow and boom, I was able to get that shot opportunity on that deer. But, uh, again, being mobile, knowing exactly that I know they're in this certain area. I just need to be kind of bouncing around, kind of mm-hmm. being, keeping them on their toes a little bit. Surprise shot. Yeah. Now you had a climber before, and then you kind of went to the sticks and the, the stand, what made you make the transition into that? The only reason that I even did it is because the, a lot of the trees on the property are just smaller diameter trees. And to be able to put the climber in and get it stable, it takes not a huge tree, but a more sizable tree than what we have. And at work, all I do is listen to podcasts all day. And I just happened to find one where they were talking about the DeQuisto series and mm-hmm. saying how light it was and how easy it was to hang and everything. And just looked online and they had them in stock, so I ordered it. Yeah, because usually they take a while. So yeah. if you grabbed one, that was good for you. That's awesome. Well, that's I, what I think that the one thing negative of a climber is that's what I'm limited to. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously I can't work around sticks unless I'm you know, going up and sawing every single one off. And if I'm on public ground, you're not allowed doing that here in Pennsylvania anyway. But, you know, so there could be a, a tree where I feel would be perfect to the trail or, you know, the scrape where, you know, if you're not getting that solid tree where there's no limb sticking out, you're kind of screwed a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, um, even though I haven't made the switch, I mean, I definitely see what the, the positive, you oh, know, yeah. to the saddle or the, the stick in the stands is, I mean, you know, in Pennsylvania, you have a, I would, I wouldn't say easier time, but there's a lot more trees where you could use a climber, mm-hmm. you know, but you go out of state or somewhere like Nebraska or, you know, some of these Midwestern states, you're probably going to have a lot harder time using a climber versus other, uh, certain setups. Yeah. And, uh, the climbers, if I was going to sit all day, I would want my climber. It's just more comfortable. I mean, I probably missed more deer sleeping in it than I have <laughs> being able to shoot them realistically. But the climber for in or the, uh, the hang on. Yeah, yeah, the hang on the, for the hanging hunt. That's, I think, definitely just to go in a couple hours, come out, be able to bounce around a little bit. That 
I mean, I don't know how many times I've climbed a tree and without a headlight and you get up and there's the limb hanging and then you unhook your top of your stand, rehook it. I mean, there's nothing safe about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was actually having this conversation with Jim the other day where I was talking about the tethered, uh, predator platforms and i said i had both now i just have the xl just because i was like oh i'll, I'll use the smaller one when i just go in for that little bit just because i f- i did find it the xl being that little bit bigger the pressure points on my foot my feet it felt better for a longer you know sit basically being out there all day as i was looking at it and carrying it putting it in the bat in my bag and doing all that type of stuff i'm like I'm just going to continuously grab this XL, even if, if I'm filming him or just going out there for two and hours just to, for until last light or whatever, I'm grabbing that XL. So I just, I, you know, I, you know, sold the, the normal predator platform and it's great. It's small. And if that's what people like, I like the also having that little bit of extra grip on the, on the XL version of it. Mm-hmm. But again, it was the comfort side of things. And during the rut, I, I've heard people say like, Oh, wait till you sit in the saddle. I'll, for all 15 hours out there. And I honestly, I I mean, I would be a little bit fidgety in a hang on and, you know, comfort level and all that stuff. I was perfectly fine this past year. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that little bit of extra to that platform played that, that role, honestly, just because it, again, the angles that I was able to get at and the pressure of my feet, all that type of stuff, I, I was fine. And, uh, yeah, like you said, if you're sitting all day, you want that comfort, and you know, that, for me, that was perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's talk about a little bit about you know when you were growing up. We didn't kind of mm-hmm. enter. Yeah, you know, we didn't get into that at the beginning. We kind of dove right in, but uh, must be the beers talking. But <laughs> I've uh, never grown up yet. That's yeah, the problem. <laughs> true. Now your dad never really hunted growing up, not yeah. much. And, you know, and he kind of introduced you and your brother into it though. Um, talk a little bit of how that was for you, because I know for myself and, and Jeremy, we, mm-hmm. our dads both hunted. So, you know, they kind of, I, I wouldn't say they passed it on. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he still did the same thing oh, to yeah. you, but he wasn't a hunter himself. So talk a little bit of how that was a different experience for you. Now did his, I don't mean to cut you off. Did your dad grow up too around here as well? He did, uh, up towards Benazet oh, okay. field area mm-hmm. that, yeah, he had their family just wasn't really hunters. My mom's family wasn't really into hunting all that much, but my best friend, Tyler, that's where it comes in. His dad, I mean, eat, sleeps, breathe still to this day. Yeah. So run around with him, picked it up. So it got to be, I don't know, 10, 11, you want your BB gun. And we had a 40 acre farm. So got my BB gun and just went out and killed chipmunks and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> I won't say yes or no to anything. <laughs> and was showing interest. And then did the whole hunter safety thing. And he said, well, if you want to go out, let's go out. So first day rifle season that year, he took me out and saw a six point and I was too nervous to shoot. I couldn't even bring myself (laughs) to pull the gun up. I was just shaking so bad, excited to see a buck. And, and we were shooting shotguns with pumpkin balls. So, and the deer's 80 yards away. I mean, that's a par three at best. If you're (laughs) even a half a shot and I saw him line up and, go to shoot and 14 feet above the deer you can see the slug just hanging <laughs> through the trees down the needless to say there wasn't anything killed for the first few years <laughs> that uh 
but no, the Tyler's dad was definitely the biggest influence for the hunting. And then seventh grade, whenever I met Dimitri, we always talked about hunting and we were in a study hall together. So we'd always talk about, oh, we're going out this weekend or rifle season was always the biggest thing. Yeah. That then the following year is whenever I got my first bow and then fell in love and you just get a whole different drive whenever you pick up a yeah. bow. Yeah, well, I, I I listen. I I told this story about a hundred times now. I mean, there's n- nothing like that first archery kill for for me. Oh, uh, definitely. I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, well, I have to mention on the podcast though. <laughs> it's when Ian and I met in seventh grade. <laughs> we quickly became good friends, obviously because of hunting, but. I recently broke up with my girlfriend. So the grab tell the story. It's hilarious. Most people are probably gonna turn the podcast off when they hear this. Yeah. But and so I broke up with my girlfriend and Ian and I are pretty good friends at this point. It's early on in seventh grade because you know, in our school, again, no one cares this, but there's two elementary schools and then once you get into junior high it's, it becomes one so we didn't really know each other until then until junior high and because of hunting we became friends and broke up with my girlfriend and i remember one day Ian comes in and he's like do you mind if i ask your girlfriend out, ex-girlfriend out and i was like no go, dude go go for it so he started de- dating my ex-girlfriend but i mean that's beside the point but pretty much we were good friends since then but that's awesome <laughs> Best friends share girlfriends. With yeah, you. that's right. <laughs> Bros before hoes. Yeah. That's right. Oh, man. So then, so you basically, I, I like that it wasn't, you know, to quote unquote, like how Dimitri said, wasn't passed down to you, like, like through your dad in yeah. a sense. Like you kind of fell in love with it on your own. And, you know, here you are going out west and hunting ever, ever since. Oh, that's, if I didn't have to work, that's all I'd do that. Yeah. I mean, besides the family, I mean, if it wasn't for the fact of having to make a little money to go out west, that's hunting yeah. would be my life. That's awesome. Well, now, and I mean, and then your son, Owen, who's listening to this podcast probably eventually on Wednesday. You know, now, what what's your plans for kind of get introducing him into hunting and, and how you're going to go about that? I mean, I know he's been with you a couple of times on some hunts where you've mm. actually harvested deer, right? Was he there the one time with that muzzleloader? He was there. He helped me track the muzzleloader deer. And then he actually got to see me shoot a doe this year with the rifle. Oh, cool. So I've had him out since, I mean, whenever he was three, we would go out and just do little walks around the property in the woods. That This year was actually the first year he went and sat with me. And it was the second doe I shot this year during rifle season that, he was got to see the whole thing and then helped me do the gutting job and then we cut it up in the garage and he wanted to be out there helping and so yeah he's he's hooked he wants to shoot one and i told him i said whenever you get a little bigger <laughs> we can do that let's kill something with the bb gun and then we'll move on to anything bigger well, that's what I think in Pennsylvania. It's crazy with this mentor program. I mean, not that it's crazy, but compared to what we're used to growing up, we had to wait till, till we 12. were 12. And uh, yeah. I mean, you know, all of us, I mean, we were probably in the same situation until you were 12. You were just sitting there because we, we breathe hunting, right? Mm-hmm. And and you just died. That, like, man, when am I going to be 12 and be able to take the hunter safety and go out? I mean, you could go out for walks or, you know, my dad and some of my uncles would let me go sit with them during rifle season. And, you know, 
um, for a couple hours and you get antsy. But I mean, now these kids with the mentor program are going younger and younger and Mm -hmm. able to, you know, actually harvest the deer. And I mean, I think, I think it's getting a lot of them hooked, even though we're kind of work, you know, with numbers and, and, you know, hunter recruitment is down a little bit, but I mean, geez, I would have just loved to have that opportunity at that age. Well, I definitely think it's good and bad. I think you could probably ruin a younger kid really easily. I mean, everybody's made a bad shot and had to deal with that. That I think there's definitely their pluses and minuses. For me, I think it'll he'll probably be close to 12 before he actually gets to shoot his first one. That I'm more than happy to take him anytime, just until they have that little extra maturity. That's my opinion. Yeah. Now, do you think they're not ready until they're 12? I mean, because there is a lot that goes goes into play. I mean, I know, you know, the, with the mentor program, you, you, the adult has to carry the gun, and basically they're just pulling the trigger. You know, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, right? There's there's gun safety, right? You got to make sure they're ready for gun safety, which is a huge component of hunting. You also have to make sure that they're okay with harvesting an animal i mean you got to think i mean that actually is taking the life of something if you do that at a too young age they don't understand that the concept behind it you know you could ruin a hunter so there's a lot that goes into you know and then the the processing you know are they going to be able to you know that's not just an easy thing to watch right Mm -hmm. the if you do your own processing what what goes on uh, with that as well so like you said it you know are they too young and is it going to ruin a lot of hunters so you got to really make sure that those youth hunters are prepared for that taking them out in that early age well and i don't think that you can actually set an age to it every kid's going to be different mm-hmm. i mean as a parent you're going to know when that one's ready i mean realistically owen could probably do it right now i have a four-year-old mara who is so far from wanting to do it she likes to go out and see deer and everything but the whole hunting killing process no she's not interested i see that's where i'm I'm like i love this conversation just because you know nora i mean obviously i'm not a big individual and you know she's growing and i'm like oh like she could be right there and i know she's still so small (laughs) like my wife took a picture i had a game on saturday and she took a picture because nora had her first softball game and she sent me She's the smallest one. I was like, dang. Like, I don't know even if next year she could shoot a 410. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah. I still don't know. And as she wants to, yep. uh, or she wants the, I, I think she loves the idea too, just because, like I said to Dimitri, even on Saturday before my game, he and I and his dad went out hunting for turkey. And I told him, I said, she's already asking me, like, when are we going turkey hunting already, dad? And I said, well, I got to bring the blind up just to, you know, even if it's a half hour, she just, oh, that, yeah. you know, she's so stoked. But, you know, I think it's important too, because the one question I was going to have on your properties, mm-hmm. you don't have to give a, a range or a number like, you know, on a scale of one to 10, but do you usually see like a good amount of deer? Yeah. So like, but I think that's important though for O to see that mm-hmm. and, you know, really be excited because he has that opportunity because man, nothing's worse than me personally with those those times in, in high school or later in, in high school when things started kind of drifting away from me, mm-hmm. like in the hunting thing. And like I always said, like I was more interested in girls and my friends and all that type of stuff. But like earlier on 
when I was young, when I would go with my dad, and then when I was finally 12, like, man, like, up until I was, like, 15, we saw, I mean, there would be times where if I, if I did doze off and I woke up, there would be, it'd be 30 deer. I'm like, holy cow. You know what I mean? Like, I was, there's many opportunities for me. And then as yeah. things went on, it wasn't that. It was, it was, you know, the tough hunting, like, what we're experiencing now, which is, you know, yeah. I love that now, but, at, and, you know, to an extent. But, it, you know, at, at, there's times, though, when you're an 18-year-old boy and your girlfriend's texting you, like, hey, when, when are we hanging out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm thinking something else. Yeah. So uh, I think it's important for, you know, now that, you know, whether it's a, an adult uh, coming on to, to learning hunting or even a young child, like, coming into hunting, it's important to at least, try or see a higher success rate oh i like the target rich opportunities yeah. i mean i from whenever i was 12 saw that first buck mm -hmm. i didn't even see another deer till i was 16 and that was the first buck i killed then yeah and i mean once how many did, how many shots did you take <laughs> at that first buck uh, we were friends weren't we <laughs> <laughs> it, it maybe why, why do you tell that story <laughs> just unloading yes yeah <laughs> well we had uh the farm then there was a runway that my stepmom's dad had an airplane so he'd come be able to set his airplane down so we always said we'd go hunt the runway and i had a stand at the back end which dimitri videotaped out of many times that 7.15. Yeah, you could set your watch to it. 7.15, <laughs> they were coming across. It was almost like you just opened the floodgates, and here they came. And it was the first day of rifle season when I was 16. And, I mean, like I said, saw one buck when I was 12, didn't see another deer in the woods till then. Mm -hmm. And here came a buck. I didn't know how it could have been 30 point for all I know, but it was right. a little seven. Walking across. And 357 lever action with 3 to 9 power scope. And it keeps walking, walking. It got to about probably sixty yards, and then the rifleman and me came out, and I, I think I started the hip shooting, and it, it wasn't until my gun got to my shoulder on the eighth shot where I actually hit it. And I, eight shots to get my first deer. Hey, <laughs> you got him. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you get it, right? Yeah. Now I've got slightly more efficient now, but. Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figure we had to hear that story yeah, when he was talking good. about his first year. But, you know, I think back on the talking about uh, getting kids into hunting and, and knowing if they're ready, I think, you know, the mentor's great, right? So they, you can kind of engage them earlier on. But I think, too, maybe there's so many other things like, you know, whether it's your daughters, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they're not into the killing, right, or the harvesting of an animal, you know, there's so many, maybe we should focus more things on just like target, you know, archery yeah. or target mm -hmm. shooting or, you know, um, you know, scouting or, you yeah. know, other things that kind of still are components of hunting that they can be interested in and not maybe frighten them as much, yeah. you know, cause there's not a lot of programs out there, you know, national wild Turkey Federation does some things here once in a while yep. in Pennsylvania, and there's some 3d shoots, you know, not, not a lot in this area. We, we yeah. struggle to really kind of find right. a couple to do. And, you know, you know, and if you're someone that goes to church on Sunday, you're basically screwed for a lot of the Sunday shoots because mm -hmm. they close at one, you know, right, right. Uh, we've talked about that plenty of times, both of us. And, uh, you know, so 
maybe focusing instead of the mentor program of, you know, being able to take them out hunting and, and killing something, maybe we set up like where they can go and shoot bows and we, we practice techniques or, you know, maybe it's just go learning about, you know, deer sign and what to, what to see, you know, maybe some of these programs will be more beneficial than just taking them hunting. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you have youth fishing day? You know what yeah. I mean? Or like, uh, like my dad, you know, he works for a company and this past week and he's like, Oh man, I wish you could come in. It's, it's the kid, you know, fishing derby day. And I mean, that's all over the place obviously, but man, that's, it's a great day to go take the kids out and let them fish. And it's just the kids doing that mm -hmm. until a certain time or whatever. And I love, I honestly, I, I love everything you just said because I mean, even like I said, Nora's seven, she'll be eight. She loves to shoot her bow when, when I'm shooting my bow and I'm, I've said that a couple times on the podcast, like she, I want a real bow, you know, she wants one with real cams and, uh, Preston has, you know, his daughter. I keep, every time I see him post one from mountain physio with his daughter on there, I always like show Nora just because she's excited to watch this little girl. That's her age, you know, shoot a real bow. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's awesome. Like you said, though, Dimitri is take them out, take them scouting, do other things like introduce, uh, certain little things like little programs. I think that's really important. And, you know, I don't know if it's who it needs to come down from. Is it organizational groups like BHA or, you know, the game commission, or is it local bow shops? Is it just, you know, something I, I, but I think it's definitely feasible because how many people like us with kids want our kids to be involved, have show a little bit of interest just because, you know, they idolize us as parents and, you know, I think that's a home run. Yeah. Well, that's what I even know with my wife. I mean, she, she has a bow. I mean, she, now she has two kids. I mean, she doesn't have as much time to shoot, but before, you know, she loved shooting target archery. She would right. never go out and hunt, right? you know, or she was down there when we'd sight in our guns down at the range, she, you know, before we had kids, she would be down there and shooting my 270. You know, yeah. she enjoyed doing that stuff, you know. So I think there needs to be more things for, you know, whether it's your, you know, your son or your daughter or your wife or, you know, other adults, right. you know, where they can be still engaged in the hunting community, but they don't have to hunt, right? right. I mean, you're still going to get that hunter recruitment and maybe eventually they become more comfortable where they do want to go out, right? right. But there's got to be that stepping stone to get them into that before just taking them hunting. I think that definitely just needs to be a thing where the hunting community accepts. Not everybody yeah. has to be a hunter. Like, especially if you are, especially if you have somebody just shooting art target archery. Yeah. That my wife did the same thing as Demetri's. I mean, she shot her bow. She's a way better shot than I could ever be <laughs> even shooting every day. They have more patience. Than yeah. Do. yeah. <laughs> it's a shorter draw. Like I'm going to have to try that sometime. I think. <laughs> That, uh, I mean, it's everything, rifle, anything. Yeah. And we went to a 3D shoot I took Owen to this year in the spring. And we're walking up elk target and went on elk hunt last year. So, of course, we watch every elk video known to man. And he can bugle really good just with his mouth. We're walking up. He bugled. The guys in front and behind us were looking at it at me like, control your kid. And I was thinking he's six years old Jeez. why wouldn't you want him Damn out that. here just yeah. to have fun and well, we got up on the platform to shoot from and it was 50 yards away and he said he was shooting the elk and 
his little bow drawn back, and I let him sky six arrows out across there. Yep. And you could just see the steam blowing off him. And I was thinking, if you had your kid up there, I'd be cheering for him yep. shooting. Oh, that. yeah. Why wouldn't you want to have a young one up there just yeah. having the time of their life, hanging out, shooting with the big guys? Well, that's all right. I think this is a great transition into what we want to talk about next. But, you know, talking about social media and, and you know, but before we even get into that is, is what you said. I mean, I think the hunting industry, the one thing it lacks is, is, you know, everyone to come together, right? You know, we're all hunters or outdoor people, you know, activists, and, you know, we enjoy the same things, right? You know, why are we attacking each other? You know, yeah. you know, instead of worrying about the people that are trying to take these things away from us, right? We should unite into one person to make sure that we are able to, whether you want to just camp or hike or hunt, you know, it's, it's all the same thing. Um, and we're too much worried about our egos and, and downgrading other people or judging them mm-hmm. when it's, you know, what's the big deal, right? Is it really right. harming you? And two, there's people that are trying to take no, no matter what you do in the outdoor industry or activity, there's people out there trying to take that away from us. Mm-hmm. And, and what, you know, the bigger fish is out there. And we're worrying about, you know, what you're posting on social media or, you know, what your kid's doing at the 3D range, which is harming yeah. nobody. Well, and if it was anything other than doing an elk bugle, man, I can let him <laughs> shoot his arrow into a group of guys. Well, I maybe would have let him do it to that group. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just, why wouldn't you just want to have fun whenever you're out there doing yeah. it? Not hurting anybody. If you're taking your life that serious, shooting a 3D at a local course... Where there's no competition, there's no money involved at yeah. that point in time. And you should maybe just think about, like, where are my priorities? Yeah. If you're, I mean, all of us have kids. I'm sure they probably had kids somewhere that weren't out there with them. That, I mean, realistically, take your priorities into check a little bit. It's amazing. You know, I, I don't know. I, like you said, Dimitri, it's uh, it's been one thing for, for me to kind of these past <laughs> couple of weeks to sit back and... uh watch a little bit more and man i i i just want to you know this i I don't know how even the right way to say it but you know just anybody that's been following us or new following us or that's you know been along for for us from the beginning and uh i mean it means more to 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 us than you you really do think just because man we're just regular guys (laughs) (laughs) like we just we love it and uh it doesn't I don't know. It, it's uh, it's amazing to see because you know there are individuals, I guess, that want to do this for life, you know, for a, a career. And I mean, Ian, you said if it, I think all of us would say, hey, if we didn't have to make money by doing what we're doing, we would love to hunt for a living. And mm-hmm. uh, man, whatever we could do to help bring uh, an education to someone to uh, about a certain topic because they're they're learning it or it's new to them or they never heard about it or we're learning about it and that's why we do it yep it's not because we're we've all we, i love what you're like we never claim to be <laughs> experts. <laughs> experts and yeah. that's the first thing man I, it's yeah. just about yeah. having fun and growing and loving and what like i don't know i can't wake up for school for work uh on time but yet i could get up at this like i wake up before my alarm goes off at a 4 a.m thing to get ready to go up to to meet him for turkey season there's nobody that's excited to get up to go to work if yeah you right, do, it's you, crazy yeah <laughs> yeah 
There's institutions for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I and I I and like like you said, you knew you don't even have social media, and you're just you know you love listening to podcasts and hunting, and I think you're you're better off that way. Yeah. Now, now, what 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 is your perspective? I mean, you know, because we probably see a lot of different things than that you do. So you know, you probably miss out on a lot of the things that maybe someone was like, uh, they're they're not doing it for the right reasons, or you know, they're just trying to get insta famous in the hunting industry, or they're just trying to get sponsors. You know, so you don't see a lot of that. So, you know, what, like, how do you kind of navigate through the hunting industry, whether it's, you know, people you follow or, you know, obviously you don't follow them on social media, but, you know, through podcasts or, you know, maybe certain brands uh, that that you kind of like. So how do you navigate through the hunting industry not having any of these platforms? Well, having a friend that has a podcast is pretty helpful. <laughs> and then... I mean, I guess you don't really know what you're missing out on if you don't see it. That now, do you watch a lot I of? I don't mean to cut you off. Do you watch a, like a lot of YouTube videos of hunting stuff? Not a lot. I watch the born and raised guys, and every once in a while, the seek one, like the broadhead test or something. But yeah, and those freaks that they hunt down in uh, <laughs> down in the suburbs of Atlanta, just yeah. unbelievable. Holy cow! But yeah, I mean, really, I don't really. What somebody else does in there and wants to show people, it doesn't really affect me. I mean, as yeah. long as if I would run into you on the street and you'd say, oh, I'm a hunter, I'll talk to you. It doesn't make a difference to me. I don't care if you shot a buck that was a West Virginia 11 point or a 200-inch deer. Yeah. That I just think that some of the stuff that people are doing and shooting and what. You don't need to impress anybody. Yeah. I don't have a I don't have the desire to impress with what I shoot or anything that Well that's and that's what I love. Like I remember he and he and I talked about this. Like like just to go off of it, you know, I filled just two doe tags this past year. Same thing for Dimitri. And how many tags did you fill? I shot three. Yeah. I mean like seven deer amongst the, the three of us that I mean we're we're putting meat in our freezer we're having fun going out there and doing it and you know like you said you're not in it to impress anybody like if joe schmo's mm -hmm. walking down there and he's he's a hunter you yeah. want to talk to him, you're gonna have a conversation with him well i'm a joe schmo too i mean nobody yeah. knows me <laughs> we all yeah. like i just think like dimitri said the insta famous i don't have instagram or anything but i hear a lot about it on all the podcasts and I think you're better off to not have it. Don't let everybody know your business. I don't really want my personal life or everything else to be known to the world. Yeah. Well, that's why I wonder sometimes with, you know, whether you're on social media or you're in the hunting industry, you know, do you, on realistically, do you have more people that are trying to bring you down because they're jealous or, you know, they don't like you or, you know, or do you have more people that follow you because they enjoy listening to you? You know, yeah. it's, it's hard to really know sometimes, you know, cause there's so many people out there and that's the thing once we started doing this a little bit over a year ago is I could not believe the people that, you know, would respond in a negative way well, compared to a positive. Yeah. I, I love, that's why I think like Brandon McDonald puts out some great videos and great contents. Like he's the one that does the whole broadhead testing and, you know, just has some, 
unique things and twists, mm-hmm. you know, his bourbon cigar videos that he does. <laughs> and, uh, he posted a funny, uh, post actually on Instagram where he he's been doing this now for a couple of weeks where he takes screenshots, a picture of what a comment on a YouTube video is. Cause he mm-hmm. has a crap ton of followers on YouTube and it was a, uh, video slash, I, I believe podcast. I actually haven't seen it, but it's, a uh, a joint thing with him and, uh, average Jack archery individual from Clearfield. And they talked about FOC and I mm-hmm. think average Jack is, I please don't quote me, but I think he doesn't really care about FOC because mm-hmm. I think he has uh, a can of worms video about like who cares about it. And I know Brandon kind of was probably playing either middle or I'm just, again, I haven't seen the video, so I can't speak directly to it, but someone posted uh, a, a comment that Brandon posted and was just like, yeah, go suck on ranch fairies nuts again or something <laughs> like, you know, just something along those lines. But it's like, man, like, he, you really took a minute to type. Yep. That. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. And I, again, I, we're all in that same, same thing. And, uh, it is what it is. And, uh, it's, I guess the territory nowadays and man, like we talk about it because we, we love hunting and we have a hunting podcast. So we have a hunting social media content, you know, page with our Instagram. But I also think about even doing how in my old when I was obviously I'm a health and phys ed teacher, but I used to do personal training. Mm-hmm. I used to follow a lot of fitness individuals. Like I used to go to the Arnold classic. I was really into personal training and I took fitness all like hardcore and man, like I could, and I stopped following all those individuals because I felt myself comparing myself to these people. And it's like, Holy cow. And like the, I think the minute that I stopped following him is when I saw an individual on one day, like in person, and the next day they posted another picture and they were totally different. And I'm like, that's, they didn't get that jacked and ripped <laughs> yeah. within 24 hours. And like after that, I was like, okay, I got to stop doing this because yep. if I wouldn't have known that and seen that the day before, I actually were, it was standing you know standing this far away that we are from a table and i know they didn't look that way then i mean it it was it played so many mental games on me i was like man i gotta stop comparing myself that because it's just me and i and i you know i i feel like i'm i'm finally there too right now with social media like uh, as far as like where we're at with with antler up i'm just hey if you like it i greatly appreciate it i love it and i love interacting with individuals and you don't like it, you don't like it. And that's totally fine too. Like it's nothing to get, like it's water off the duck, man. It is what it is. Well, that's what I know last year, especially during the rut. I mean, I got, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of encounters with bucks until that yeah. time, which I've talked about it before. And, and, you know, going into my rutcation, you know, I was so stressed out and I, I know I've talked about this before, but you know, my wife is like, why are you so stressed out? You like just going out and hunting and you got days off. Right. And you know, uh, I've talked about it in, you know, when some thing, bad things happen, you know, during the rut and, and had my opportunities and I didn't capitalize and things went wrong with my bow and I was so bummed out about it. And, and you know, my wife kind of put it in perspective and she's like, you know, 
are you bummed out because you didn't be able to post that picture of that buck on, on your social media or are you bummed out that you didn't harvest the deer? Right. Mm-hmm. And I kind of took a step back and I'm like, you're right. You know, I yeah. mean, I was so bummed out that I didn't get that deer and be able to broadcast it out until the community and, you know, try to almost brag. Right. You know, that's, yeah. You don't post on social media unless you're trying to brag about something. I mean, let's be honest, yeah. you know. It's like so, a verification. Like, yeah, I you mean, know. you just want those likes. I mean, let I mean, you you get sucked into that stuff, and I'm, I'm you know I'm guilty of it more yeah. than anybody. I mean, yeah. it, it's easy too, you know, where you you don't have any social media, mm-hmm. so Dude, you know you don't, killer. <laughs> you don't have to worry about what you know, who's going to judge you. Right. Yeah. Cause no one knows what you did, you know, especially yeah. just your family and friends. Right. Yep. I mean, people you send a picture to, or you talk to, you know, and you have a lot less negative feedback than someone that puts it out there. And then people just, you know, cause not everyone has the same situation. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think a lot of people that are judging, I mean, you know, are they hunting public or are they hunting private? Is, you know, is there a high your density you know is there bigger boxes or smaller bucks i mean you really don't know the situation but you're judging people on social media so i think you know not even having it you don't even have to worry about that yeah i don't even think about it really. i mean <laughs> if i want to send a picture to somebody of something i killed i send it made i don't i don't care if somebody anywhere else sees my the buck i shot that was 73 inches and Baskerack eight point <laughs> that yeah it doesn't make a that big of a difference to me i i feed my family off the venison we i love going out i love being in the woods that i mean if a 200 inch deer stepped in front of me i probably wouldn't get shot here because shoot over its back but i don't think that who cares how big the rack is really i mean yeah it's cool to hold and do all that but in the picture anything can look bigger or smaller yeah i want to ask this question like you just said about you know getting out and and experiencing and going that has been like dimitri this is kind of going back a little bit too you talked about putting that pressure on yourself and and doing all that and i i i'll agree like i even felt that same way and I'm like man and i feel like too you're like man i'm hunting hard i'm putting in the work i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying and you know obviously things didn't work out as far as you know filling that buck tag but like where i'm at now sitting here i love just getting outside and experiencing that solitude mm-hmm. like just being out there being like hearing the the birds chirp like just even like I said the other day on like we weren't record recording but on Saturday morning you know and I got set up for the turkey and we heard gobbles and so we we're getting set up and you know that crow flew by or I saw him going and he started crowing and boom pop, 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 pop. you know that turkey was in front of me maybe 45 yards down below on that ridge never worked his way up but like man that was a great day it was a beautiful morning and just uh, overall and I don't know. I feel like that individuals need that more than ever right now, you know, not to put pressure on yourself. And I, like, I know we're going to, we're going to start doing right now this, hopefully this, uh, either obviously not this weekend, just because we ha- we're away, but maybe next weekend we could start putting our food plot in. Like we're like, it's starting to get to that time now mm-hmm. where we're going to do that. We're going to start doing 3d shoots. We're going to start doing that. And I, I, I'm so looking forward to just being outdoors and, building that camaraderie again 
Yeah, you can only go so long without being outside. It makes you a better person. Yeah. I mean, we have three kids. My wife knows that I'll be home and do whatever I need to do, but every once in a while there comes the day where yeah. she's just go hunting mm-hmm. and go out for however long you need to come back yeah. and sometimes you just need that little recharge yeah. to get out in the woods and I, i've been trying to build myself to what like i'm gonna call it like the the ian mantra where man like i i don't need a verification like i just yep. want to go and experience like that's the one thing about the utah trip like we didn't have ex- expectations you know what i mean like we had expectations to go out there and, and experience and like while we we're there, like yeah, we got in the moment of hunting and you know that mm-hmm. personal thing side of things, but it wasn't the end of the world. Yep, you know what I mean. And it was almost like how you were saying when it comes to PA, it's just man, we just need to go out there, enjoy the process, enjoy the moments, and whatever happens, happens. Yep. Well, that's what I I think this year. I'm I'm, you know, I've really tried to flip the script on that and and try to better myself and. You know, I think the one thing good about social media, if there's something that bothers you, like you said, you just unfollow them, right? You know, if you feel like you need to be on there, but it's still kind of a you know negative thing. But, yeah. you know, I think with, you know, the last two weeks with turkey season, you know, we had opportunities both weekends. I wasn't able to capitalize, which I was kind of bummed about. But then, you know, I was telling my wife, I said, you know, I was more bummed that I didn't harvest the turkey for I could experience that with my son. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's what, you know, I'm like, well, that's, I'm doing that for the right reason. You know, you know, cause I, you know, he, he's always like, Oh, I want to go turkey hunting. That's all she said all morning that he's like, I want to go turkeys, turkey hunting, turkey, turkey hunting, turkeys. turkey hunting. And then I was like, Oh, did you see any turkeys? He's like, yeah, three. And I'm like, yeah, I know you're lying. I know you're lying, but I don't know, maybe he's trying to make me feel better, but you know, and I was like, man, I would just love to bring that turkey up and let him see it and feel it. And like, yeah. you know, he'd think that's super cool. And I'm like, well, then I'm doing it for the right reasons, right? You know, it's not just to put a picture online or, you know, um, you know, do things just to put, get yeah. likes, right? Yeah. So, you know, and I'm like, that's why I do it, right? You know, you, you want to pass that on. It's not about just killing an animal posting that picture and uh, and uh, i think that's what we we you know when you get into the hunting industry because we're pretty early on oh my gosh you know so we we feel like there's expectations but there's really not right you know and you put it on yourself yeah and i think you know like you said we're not doing this for money so we do it because we enjoy talking about hunting and bullshitting and drinking beer right um yeah so what what's you know we put that expectations on ourselves. why you know, there's no reason to, you know, and like we talked to Dana and she was worried about the buckshot and I understand <laughs> because she's a pretty high oh, up yeah. company, but, um, you know, who cares, right? Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? Well, yeah. if you put those expectations on yourself too, that's where the bad things happen from Instagram. You yeah. see somebody shoot one without a tag or see somebody shot one and next thing you know, a bigger one walks by. And, then- and but no, I, I don't know. I, I love your perspective that we in on it. I appreciate it. And I think, you know, it's, it's somewhere where we've gone. I, I, I think it's been, you know, definitely the mentality where I want to go and live. And I've, I've enjoyed it more. I enjoy the process. Like, you know, and that's, 
you know, why, why would you not want to enjoy it when we're having fun? And like you said, kind of too, like with the podcast type of stuff, it's just about, you know, this is the one night where I get a chance to hang out. And I mean, not very few where we get a chance to do it in house, but yeah. at the same time, but you know, if you have a chance to talk to someone new and introduce, like, I love that. I'm a mm-hmm. people person. I love having a new perspective and kind of having a chance to, to meet and grow and just have fun and talk on it. That's what oh, it's about. You're not going to get looked down. I mean, yeah, I met you last year Yeah, and I didn't feel like I had to show you, Oh, I killed this huge buck oh, because no, if man. you'd still be waiting for the picture to come. <laughs> Same for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like that's the point. Like, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I think too, like, like Demetri, you said about it. I, you know, before Mark Kenyon signed with meat eater. And uh, I mean, I, he was just that regular guy too, that just loved hunting. Mm-hmm. He loves it. He loves whitetail. And yeah, I mean, you could think whatever you want to think about meat eater and, and, mark kenyon and again it's just like like i shouldn't have to say that mm-hmm. you know what i mean like, yeah, I like what's the point of judging him have, right yeah i mean what does he have to do good for, for him you, he's right? on episode 400 and effing something like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> episode 70 here we are yeah <laughs> you know like heck yeah man like tip your cap and uh, uh but i feel like a, he obviously was came in at the right time and but at the same time he's very relatable he mm-hmm. just loves whitetail hunting. Yeah. He loves getting people on it. It bring knowledge to to individuals, and you know that's what it is. I like it, Ian. Good stuff. And before we, uh, before we get off, I have, I, I do want to backtrack just a little bit. Um, we we're talking about your properties, about everything. Is that well? Before we do that, is that everything for social media side of mm-hmm. things? I think I think that's great stuff. We led from the you know the kids into that, but. How big of a trail cam guy are you or anything like like on your properties? I like to run them. Um, that is almost as enjoyable to me as hunting. Yeah. On uh, 100 acres, I have about 10 cameras. And then on Tyler's 250, every, I'll probably run two or three out there yeah. just because I don't get out there as often to check. Now, do you use, uh, like, are you going sell or are you going, like, do you keep them out all year? switch them around move them around i do move them i have i just got two cell cams i'm not brand specific pretty much like everything yeah. i have give yeah. me whatever i'll put it out that uh my wife got me two of the cell cams for christmas i like to put them out about mid-june and then run them clean through probably to january or yeah. so that i don't see any reason to let them out i don't really yeah i don't use them to shed hunt or right anything like that that I don't see any reason to beat them up for the four or five months. They don't have antlers on their head. Yeah. I just always, I, I, cause you know, we talked to Tim, like Tim said, he pot, bought a few more extra this past season and use them. So I was just kind of thinking about like how you use them on, on properties like that. Just cause we, I like having them and mm-hmm. I'm, I picked up the new, uh, actually Justin, our neighbor, he, my neighbor here, he, well, his dad is my neighbor. Uh, he, is with a tacticam and uh, so shout out to him i was able to snag one of those new reveal x's just because i had a, a great great success with the reveal from last year i mean that sucker's still going strong full battery never changed it once and uh no issues whatsoever so i mean anytime if you have an, any chance to get a tacticam reveal i couldn't speak more highly of it um but yeah i i think they're they play a role oh definitely i mean 
we I took Owen out just for a little shed hunt this year, and one of the sheds we found is a buck that I had on camera the first day. Right, oh, that's cool. Season. That it's definitely neat seeing some of the history that I mean I have pictures back from 2010 clean to this year of all the different bucks on the property. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, we don't as far as Demetri and I say we, but like when when we throw out like combine ours on public land, I mean we don't usually we don't leave those out all year. I'm leaving those ones like I said the tacticams on mm-hmm. private. Um, you know, and no one's touching that so. That's out all year, pretty much. Yeah, so I don't know. It's going to be exciting. They're starting to grow. So, I, I mean, know. it's going to be here. You know, velvet season's coming up. So it's going to be pretty interesting. See what happens this year. Yeah. We'll see what it's like. Hopefully we have some bucks laying A little around. rougher winter this year. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know if that'll have much of an effect. Or, you know, I, th- I think it did in, on turkeys. I mean, we're kind of seeing it, which... I think yeah. benefited us this year because where we hunt, there's normally high uh, hen ratio compared to gobblers. So kind of they get henned up pretty fast. This year we're seeing more gobblers than actually hens. So I think that has something to do with kind of the success we've had calling in gobblers yeah. uh, in the areas we normally hunt. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with deer and when we throw out the cameras, if anything changes. Have you gone out turkey hunting yet this year? I went out the first day and had a couple goblin ways off. And about 7.15, a coyote howler started running. <laughs> that The camp I was at, there's two coyotes in the field, and they switched over to coyote hunting instead of yep. gobbler. So that makes turkeys quiet very yeah. directly. Oh, yeah. Why don't you talk about what you got going on this year, Ian? You know, I, this is a Wyoming year for you, so you're right. heading out there, you know, do you plan on changing anything up this year of what you're going to do? Whitetail, mule deer, are you just going to kind of wing it like you normally do? Um, and then basically any plans back home here in the state of Pennsylvania? Before you answered that, is there any way we could food poison two people? And you could take <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a possibility. Yeah. Uh, now this year, Wyoming, it's always my father-in-law, Joe and, and his buddy Dick that go out. And then this is going to be my brother-in-law, Travis's first time going. Nice. The, the application goes in, has to be in by June. So we'll find out middle of June if we drew or not, which we've never not drawn. That I think this year, with it being Travis's first time, I'll probably hold off until he shoots and then just depends on what we see because i'll be able to scout the whole time while he's hunting we try to hunt two and two i might run the camera for him this year just because he's never been out west yet i would really like to shoot another mule deer but if a whitetail steps in front of me i have a hard time (laughs) not shooting so it's like an either tag for mule deer whitetail gotcha and then I, I love that you're he doesn't care i love it <laughs> well, as long as it looks big enough whenever i shoot it yeah. i mean they've got smaller and i walk to them a couple of them got bigger when i walk to them too that you just never know yeah that my minimum out there now i think is going to be a four by four muley or 10 point white tail we'll see i mean if eight point steps out looks good <laughs> it might get it too yeah but for pennsylvania this year I have a little bit flexible work schedule, so I think I'm going to try to hunt more mornings this year 
evenings is tough. Three little ones, it's just tough to be gone that much. But yeah. you can leave early in the morning and get up and worry about work later, I guess. That I would like to, I wouldn't mind shooting a buck in PA and Wyoming together. That'd be nice. Yeah. I know our buddy Tom, who we had on uh, earlier, a couple weeks ago, months ago now, uh, he's been texting me. We're fig- trying to figure out what we want to do for uh, early season, if we want to go to Delaware or something like that. So we're trying to trying to map something out, because I know we can't go out west this year, but we want to do something and mm-hmm. go somewhere other than, than PA too. So, yeah, Ohio, man. Ohio's only three hours. Hey, well, listen, I'm all I'm all. Yeah, game. let's do it. I have killed a buck there before, so. Yeah. Let's do it, man. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm down for anything. I'm, I'm yeah, just, I'm to the point it. where I'm just, I'm not, obviously saying no is, is, is very doable, <laughs> but like <laughs> I'm to the point where if it's feasible, like let's, let, let's do it. I'm, I'm that Utah like mindset where if all I have to do is buy a tag, like, like, like let's just go. Let's yep. do it. So awesome, man. Appreciate you coming down. Thanks for having me. Let's, let, we're gonna have to do it again. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. We'll have to get you on a video or something like that. So then that way, the whole uh, social media. <laughs> <laughs> you can't end with go follow Ian. Yeah. <laughs> so where Ian, where, people, yeah, where, where can people find you? Then? Maybe your construction company. They can go find you and get some work. The, the only way you can follow me is if you see the big Chevy with the stickers driving down the road. That's the only way you're going to follow me. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome, Ian. Dude, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And uh, till next time, everybody, Antler Up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Ian, thank you so much for coming on. Don't forget to uh, check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com. Check us out on our Facebook, YouTube, and our Instagram page. Again, everybody, thank you so much. Enjoy some time with your family. Hopefully, uh, if you're still chasing some gobblers, good luck out there. And until next time, antler up.